pretty good help. Well, good morning. And welcome to Wild Humanity Baptist Church. Let me ask you to please find your way to your seats and we'll go ahead and get started. In the meantime, I'd like to share with you a little bit about what's happening at Wild Humanity Baptist Church. Perhaps you're tuning in with us online and we want to say welcome to you or perhaps you're visiting with us this morning. We want to give a special welcome to you. Ask you to fill out the visitor card that's in front of you, place an offering plate in front of us so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, uh, let me share with you those special events we have coming up. Right now, we are still wrapping our gift baskets. It's $2 for each ticket or three tickets for $5. And they're in the foyer. You can look at them. Seeds for these tickets will be going towards our piano replacement. And the drawing will be held on February 12th at the Christmas Exchange in Game Night. So if you want to purchase those raffle tickets, you have time to do so. You can do them today. You can do them Wednesday. You can do them all the way up until Friday. So please contact uh, Sister Esther Bailey. Sister Jerry Woods is not here this morning. And you can always get in touch with the church office. We'll be happy to do that with you. So, uh, those things you can do. Uh, please make plans to come to that Christian Game uh, Fellowship on Friday night. It's going to be February 12th at 6.30 for a fun night of games, treats, and fabulous fellowship with your Robinson Avenue Church family. So, of course, the price of admission is two dozen cookies for sharing. So, come and do that. Please make sure you individually wrap the cookies, about two to each, wrap, uh, each package, and so we can trade those out right there. There'll be some refreshments, there'll be the cookies, and of course, Bring your favorite board game, and I will help you play it. Amen? All right. We're looking forward to a great evening together. Uh, I also want to invite you to join our life groups on Sunday morning at 9.30. Come and be a part of that. We have something for everyone about Sandy Bad Church. Come and get plugged into your RBC family and learn more of God's Word. Don't forget, coming up February 20th at 7 in the morning, we will have men's prayer breakfast in our fellowship hall. You are invited to that. Come and be a part of that. It's always a lot of fun, and the food is always fantastic. So come be a part of that. All right. I uh, want to remind you that we have a busy month coming up in March. So be in prayer for our services that are up there. We have several special services coming up in March. Get ready for Resurrection Sunday. We'll be doing Christ in the Passover. We'll also have a Tenebrae service. And so, uh, plus our Palm Sunday. And plus we'll have a very special uh, Sunday morning uh, with some musical uh, groups going up there. So come and be a part of those things as well. That's coming up in March. I also want to remind my ministry team members that next Sunday will be our ministry team meeting at regular time. So I think that's it for our announcements. Oh, uh, I do want to say a special thank you to those who showed up yesterday to work with Brother Woody on our uh, new uh, awning outside by the Sultan Hall. So they got the joist up. And I was told specifically there was no injuries. There was only one cup of coffee spilled. Amen? So, and there was much grief over that. So, I understand they actually had a funeral out there for that. So, uh, be in prayer for those guys as they love coffee a little too much. All right? Uh, I think uh, we have tea control coming up. <laughs> in the back, someone was holding up the coffee for me. That's typically. Sorry about that. Uh, we have tea control week going on. So, if you have teas that have been issued to you, by the church, you stop and see Brother Woody. We can uh, do a tour and take a look at the trees, make sure they're still in your possession. Uh, if you do that and check in with him, he would greatly appreciate that, and so would I. I think that's all the announcements. And yes, sir, Brother Jones. Amen. If you did not get a Lord's Cup Cup Union Cup, please let us know. All right. There's no other announcements. I want to bring something out real quick. Uh, over the past week, week and a half, uh, I've been asked a lot of questions about profit. 
And if you haven't noticed here lately on YouTube and a few other places, there's been a lot of uh, springing up prophets. They're claiming, I'm a prophet of God, prophet of God most high. And they're making predictions about the United States of America, making predictions about what's happening, what happened in the world. I want to tell you this right now from my heart, church. Don't worry about YouTube prophets. You worry about what's in the Bible. Amen? You stick to the Bible and you'll never go wrong. You'll never go wrong. You stick to the Word of God. So, if you're one of those out there saying, is this a real prophet? Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that a prophet from God, from our God, is 100% correct all the time. That's not correct every now and then. That's not correct 50%. That's not even correct 99% of the time. Correct 100% of the time. And so they can never be wrong. And so when you start looking at these people who are popping up on YouTube and they've made false predictions, they made something wrong, they're not a prophet. They didn't mishear God. That's because God isn't speaking to us. Also, I want to bring this up to you as well. For those who they claim they're prophets, if you speak presumptuously in the name of the Lord, the Bible predicts, not predicts, promises a harsh punishment for those who do that. So keep those things in mind. Keep your heart right with God. And keep yourself in the Word of God, and you'll never go wrong. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, I'm going to turn the service over to Brother Rob. Let's pray together. Father, touch it down. Jesus, holy and righteous name, I want to thank you, Lord, for your Word. And I pray, Lord, that as we worship you this morning, you would remind us of your Word, Lord. Reveal your Word to us. Reveal your will to us, Lord God. And open our hearts to worship you and seek your spirit, that your name will be glorified and magnified. We give you the praise, honor, and glory even now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Brother Robert. Well, good morning. Let's all stand up and let's start this worship service off with solid rock. We're going to sing all four verses. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest thing, but Solid rock I stand, all other ground is 
Let's all stand back up. We'll continue on our worship. Our God reigns.
Well, good morning. <laughs> you have your Bibles with you. Turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. I love a good Baptist joke, so I'm going to share a couple with you this morning. You might know a little bit about the book of Hebrews. In fact, there was an old Baptist deacon and his wife got up early in the morning. They began fighting a little bit. And why they were fighting was over who was supposed to make the coffee. Well, eventually the old wife said, you're supposed to make coffee. And he said, well, how do you figure that? She said, it's in the Bible. He said, where is that written in the Bible? She said, the book of Hebrews. Same old Baptist deacon and his wife were driving down the road after 30 years of church service. They had a fight inside the car. If you ever had a fight inside the car, you know what's going on there. He scooted as far as he could to the driver's door. He scooted as far as he could to the passenger door. And they had what I call the incredible pause. You know what I'm talking about? The incredible pause was there. Finally, they started coming back into the outskirts of town. They started coming across those outlying farms. They were coming up the hill and they saw silhouetted beautifully in the sun. An old donkey. Wife looked at the donkey, then looked at her husband. Husband looked at the donkey, then looked at his wife, and he said, hmm, I must be a relative of yours. Said, yeah, by marriage. I love good Baptist joke. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, we can turn to speak to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. We're going to read a little bit of them here. Start in verse 9. Give you a second to get there. The Bible says, But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, Things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown for his name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner is entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Father God, you reach out and touch us. Open our hearts to hear from you today. Because if there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, if anybody, Father, needs to get their heart right with you, you let this morning be the morning. Perhaps, Lord, there's those who have been struggling hard with sin. So I pray, Father God, that today be the day you give them victory, Lord, and give them the assurance that with you all things are possible. And that there is none that are not reachable. I love you and I thank you and ask you to glorify your name even now. In Jesus' name. Title of this morning's message is Things That Accompany Salvation. That's right. There are things that come with biblical salvation. Did you know that? 
a lot of times, and in a lot of churches, in a lot of places, they think, well, at the end of it, you got saved, so the pastor no longer talks to you, the deacons no longer reach out to you, you got saved, you're now a number in our books, and so, adios. Well, the Bible says there are things that accompany salvation. There are things that go with that. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a young Christian, that was a mystery to me. It seemed like the church would often neglect those things. What goes along with salvation? Other than, of course, you've got to be holy, right? Yeah, go like this. That means amen in the Baptist church. You say, yeah, what's pastor talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about this morning. Let's look to see what the Bible tells us these things are. So, if you'll keep your fingers, please, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, let's take a look at some of the things that accompany salvation. Get yourself a bookmarker or something. Put it in Hebrews, uh, chapter uh, 9 there, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's take a look at some of the things that come with biblical salvation, things that accompany salvation. They go hand in hand with it. They're not required for salvation. They're a product of salvation. And so, you're going to meet in this world today, and I'm sorry to tell you this, church, but now it's year 2021, and nowadays not everybody who says they're a Christian are really a Christian, amen? It's time that the church gets back to what we used to be. If you go back in the New Testament days, they had to look at somebody when they named the name of Jesus as their Savior. They had to watch them to see if they bore fruit. They had to watch to see if they lived out what they said they were doing to make sure they were really Christian. And nowadays, the church is going to have to start going back to that because not everybody who names the name of Jesus is a Christian. Amen? So there are things that accompany salvation. Let's look to see what the Bible tells us these things are. So one of the first things I want to look at is fruits of repentance. That comes along with salvation. Fruits of repentance. So here's a good example for you. Let's take a look at Matthew 3, verses 8 to 9. The Bible says, Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Let's talk about that for a second. What is Repentance. What is repentance? You know, that is a good question. It comes to me all the time. Pastor, what is repentance? Repentance is a lot more than just being sorry you got caught. Repentance is understanding that it's not just you that are hurting, that you hurt somebody from your actions, and that you will never do it again because you see now what it caused. That's what repentance is. And you say, well, Pastor, how does that work in Christianity? Because when you sin, you grieve the heart of Father God. Amen? People forget that all the time. They oftentimes put that aside and put it up in a box. When a Christian falls into sin, you grieve the Holy Ghost. You grieve the Holy Spirit. And church, it hurts the very heart of God. So what is repentance? Repentance is a lot more than, I'm sorry I got caught. Now, I used to teach junior high, and I love teaching junior high. I wouldn't say there's anything in the world. But the funniest thing to me was when I would catch one of those students doing something they ought not be doing, they were only sorry that I caught them. Amen? And a lot of Christians treat God that way. Man, I thought I got away with it. No one cared. No one understood. But eventually, God will grab a hold of that Christian and discipline them. And usually what you see nowadays is we're sorry we got caught. Perhaps you're there right now. And you've been sitting in that pew for years saying, I am sorry I got caught. That's not what God is asking for. God is asking for genuine repentance. What is genuine repentance? It's coming to the knowledge that what you did Hurt, Father God, and that you will never do it again. That's what repentance is. So what happens when you repent? What happens when you repent? Well, repent is required. 
It's a part of your salvation experience. Say, what is that written in the Bible? That's probably Luke 13, 3. There's a bunch of other ones you can look at. That's a wonderful thing right now. What happens when you repent? Well, you understand then that you have grieved Father God. You see, when you sin, it's not against me. It's not against the church. It's not against the great state of Texas. It's against God Almighty. And for some reason, we're not preaching that anymore. We think that sin only affects the people around us. Did it only hurt the people around us? No. You've offended God Almighty. What happens when you repent? You come to the knowledge that God is offended and that there's a price to pay. And that price is death. Have you ever read it in the Bible before? The day the soul sins, it shall surely die. Amen? What happens when you repent? You come to realize that there's a price that will be paid for you. The life of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but every time I think about what He did for me on Calvary's tree, every time I think about the price He paid for me, the unspeakable gift Father God gave me in His only begotten Son, the love He showed me when I was the chief of all sinners, when He reached down, grabbed me in His hand, and said, Joshua, I will take you, I will use you, I will clean you, and I will make you mine. I repented immediately. What is repentance? Repentance is the point where you understand you've offended God. And it's more than sorrow. It's more than contrition. It's more than brokenness. It's I'm helpless to make it right. And the only thing that can make it right is the blood of Jesus Christ. What happens when you repent? That you trust in the blood of Jesus. You hold it as something holy. And you hold it as something that's able to make you right with God. It's not an action church. It's not a prayer. It is a relationship where you get to know Him and the power of His resurrection. What happens when you repent? If there's truth to repentance, let's take a look at a good example here in Luke 19, verse 8. Let's take a look at one of my favorite guys right here, Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse 8, right? This is the one I want to focus in on. And we'll take a look at 7 through 10 so you get the whole story here. Uh, verse 7 says in Luke 19, says, When they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he's also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So what happens when you repent? You're going to have fruits of repentance. What happens when you get saved? You have fruits of repentance. Zacchaeus met Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus repented of his sins. And now we can see the fruits of his repentance. What was his fruits right there? Take a look at it. Again in verse 8. Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. In other words, remember, he was a tax collector. If I've accused anybody falsely and got more money than I should have gotten, I will restore it fourfold as proof of my repentance. Nowadays, Christians, we only repent. We don't ever go around saying, I'm sorry for what we've done. When's the last time a Christian come up to you and said, I'm sorry? For offending you. I'm sorry for what I did. When's the last time a brand new Christian has come to somebody's house and said, I offended you. I'm sorry. Children, when's the last time you went to mom and dad after you put Jesus in your heart and said, I'm sorry for what I did. That's fruits of repentance. Somebody say amen this morning. We are lacking that in the church today because repentance is misunderstood. It's not preached. It's not taught. 
It is often left aside as unnecessary when the Bible says contrary. It's a big part of the suspense. Fruits of repentance, they are evident in the life of a believer. And you got to see what happened in Zacchaeus. Let's take a look at another one here. Fruits befitting repentance. Let's look at Acts 26, verses 19 to 20 here. It's another example here. Love this story right here. The Apostle Paul before King Agrippa. Look here in verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision of Jesus that he saw, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do work befitting repentance. Do you see the pattern? It's going to be over and over and over again in your Bible. It is a part that you should be looking for. It's a part that the church should be looking for today. It's something that we've neglected over the last 150 years. And as a result, the church now has what I call mushroom converts. You want to know what a mushroom convert is? That's a person who springs up in the height of a wonderful religious service. The music's good. The worship's good. The Spirit's moving. I asked Jesus in my heart, but I never repented of my sins. I go back home and stay the same drunk I was five minutes before I came to church. Or stay the same drug user I was an hour before I came to church. Or I stay in the same sin I was because I never repented of my sins. Are you one of those guys this morning? Have you been sitting there in the pews for years saying, how come I'm struggling with my sins? You know why? It's because you have not repented for some reason. You have not seen the cost of the blood of the Son of God. That will bring about fruits of repentance. The Apostle Paul preaches to King Agrippa. And listen to what he says. He preached to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Are you doing works right now? Those repentance. Let's look at another fruit of things that accompany salvation. Let's look at fruits of righteousness. Whoa, fruits of righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? Don't you know the Bible says there is none righteous? No, not one. There's none to seek after God. What is righteousness? How many of you know righteousness is becoming a born again, blood bought, redeemed Christian? That's the only way you can be made right. In God's eyes, is by putting Jesus Christ in your heart. So, what is fruits of righteousness? What happens when you become righteous? You know, when you watch the Christian movies nowadays, these guys become a Christian, and one week later, they have the greatest faith. Amen? Isn't that amazing? They never lose another football game because they have great faith. And some of y'all got great faith in your football teams today, but I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care about any of this shit. I'm not even watching it this year. Not even the commercials. That used to be my excuse too. I'm just going to watch the commercials. The commercials are funny. Don't let me do it. And I love the laugh. I'm telling you. Uh, but I'm not even watching this year. I got, I got a problem, y'all. My problem is, is that I don't care about either of those teams. If it ain't Dallas, I'm not watching. <laughs> I got an amen. <laughs> you know, I used to be a Houston Oilers fan, you know. When Houston left and became Tennessee, I cried and cried and cried. I was a young Bible student at the time. They moved to Tennessee. They were the Tennessee Oilers for one season, became the Tennessee Titans, and I was like, I can't follow them anymore. And I have never been as loyal of a football fan as I used to be. I just couldn't do it. That was my team, the Houston Oilers. I was a Warren Moon maniac. I watched the Houston Oilers and their run-and-shoot offense nonstop, religiously. And then I met Jesus Christ. True. So take a look at the fruit. 
<laughs> Isn't it great to laugh in the house of God? <laughs> what is righteousness? Righteousness is when you put Jesus in your heart and you become washed in His precious blood. And when you become washed in His precious blood, it's because you've learned what repentance is. It's because you've looked at Him and said, I need your forgiveness. I can never be clean. I am unclean, unworthy, unholy. And you have every right to pick me up with unclean things and throw me into the bowels of hell. When Jesus comes into your heart and you are washed in the blood, you become the Bible describes righteousness almost as being born again. A brand new leaf on life. What happens when you become righteous? Well, let's take a look at some examples of this. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I know we're jumping around a little bit. That's because we're in a Baptist church, amen? Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Fruit of righteousness. You shouldn't be looking. Nowadays, when a new Christian comes down the aisle, when a new Christian puts Jesus in the heart, the whole church should be looking for fruits of repentance, and we should be looking for fruits of righteousness. Amen? We should be looking for those things. You're going to find out that people in the world today don't bear fruit, but they have a lot of leaves on the tree. They like to shake the leaves and say, look, I got a bunch of green leaves. And the Bible says, don't look for leaves. Look for, help me out now, <laughs> look for fruit. Judge that tree by the fruit it bears. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. Let's take a look at some fruits of righteousness here. Look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving to us to God. Fruit of righteousness. You know, did you see what that said in verse 10? May God supply and multiply the seeds you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Righteousness is when and what you do for the furtherance of the gospel. It is you being obedient to Jesus Christ's great commission. It's you being obedient to the call that you need to share Jesus with everybody you meet. It's you being obedient to get down on your knees and pray for this lost and dying world. And right now, we need some folks who are praying for this lost and dying world. Righteousness is what you do to further the gospel. Fruits of righteousness. Here's another one. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 1. Everybody loves the book of Philippians. It has so many wonderful verses. I want to tell you a little bit about the book of Philippians. Philippians is a thank you letter. It's a thank you letter from the Apostle Paul to the little church of Philippi. It's a small congregation. And church, they are doing things right. They've repented. They are obedient. And because they're obedient, they're experiencing God. That's where churches go wrong today. We're no longer obedient because we don't think it's required. Wrong. Obedience is most certainly required. Take a look at Philippians 1, verses 9 to 11. This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now look back at verse 9 real quick. I love this one right here. He says, uh, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Knowledge and discernment. Knowledge. In other words, you know the Word of God like your own hand. He also says when you are in Christ, when you are righteous in Christ, you get something called discernment. And we are sorely lacking in discernment today, aren't we? 
We are hiring preachers today that aren't preaching the gospel. They're preaching some self-help, sinner-filled, man-centered gospel that is nowhere near what the Bible says. It's about becoming happy with yourself. When the Bible says you need to become obedient to God. The Bible does not say that you should be out there saying, God, how should I live my life to the fullness? The Bible says you need to be out there saying, God, how do I give my life to you fully? Fruits of righteousness and discernment. We're supposed to discern. We should have a discerning spirit about us. You are ministers. You are kings. You are priests. You are queens in God's family, God's army. We should very seldom get fooled by anybody. Somebody say amen. You say, well, I can't tell when somebody's lying. You can if you judge the tree by its fruit. How many times have you stuck your finger in a dog's cage and it bit you? Just once, amen? Baptists do it over and over and over again. We do it over and over and over again. You say, well, maybe he's changed. He hasn't changed. He's not going to change until he becomes a born-again, blood-bought Christian. And that's not going to happen until he repents. And requires fruits of righteousness. Think about this for a second. When's the last time we see righteousness in the Bible? Righteousness. Righteousness, by definition, is doing exactly what Father God tells us to do, when He tells us to do it, how He wants us to do it. In other words, we are completely subservient, completely obedient to what He for that when we do those things, we'll find ourselves being discerning. That means when a false Christian comes up to you and says, I'm a real Christian, look at the leaves I've got, you'll be able to say, I don't want to see the leaves, I want to see the fruit you have. I want to see the fruit you have. My wife works as a banker, and she spots counterfeit bills all the time. It requires patience, it requires all kinds of reports and things like that. And so I asked her one day, I said, sweetheart, how do you know when you come across a fake bill? Do they give you training classes on that? She said, no. They just put the real money in my hand so often that when I see a fake one, I immediately know the difference. You as a Christian need to have God's Word so much in your heart that when you come across a fake one, you know the difference. Yeah, go ahead and give them a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. You're supposed to know those things. You're supposed to have discernment. You're supposed to be able to see through it. That's what verse 10 tells us, Philippians, that you may approve the things that are excellent. You get to approve them. You do it. That you may be sincere without offense to the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What are fruits of righteousness? Obedience to the command of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at another one here. Look at James 3, verse 18. That's one of our favorite ones right here now. Look at verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness Stone in peace by those who make do you, do you get that there? Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You ever heard that old saying before in the Bible? You will reap what you sow. How many of you know the opposite is true? If you will reap what you sow, then you can only sow what you reap. And church, you cannot sow righteousness. You cannot sow repentance. You cannot sow any of God's goodness until you have reaped it. And the only way you can reap it is by becoming a born-again, blood-bought, redeemed Christian. You can't sow it. Look at verse 18 again. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You sow it in peace. You sow God's goodness. You 
know the message of Jesus Christ, you scatter it all over this world in peace by those who make peace. You ever heard Jesus say this in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. You ever thought about that? You know what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the carnal mind is at enmity with God. That means it's at war with God. Your carnal mind is at war with God. And the Bible says you're blessed when you're a peacemaker. Understand what it's saying there. You are a peacemaker when you bring Jesus Christ to somebody who's at war with God. And you're blessed when you do that. You're blessed when you're obedient and do the work of an evangelist. You are righteous there. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Righteousness, church, is sowing the seeds of the gospel in peace with those around see one more. I love fruits of righteousness. You can never run out of fruits of righteousness. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 11. This is talking about the discipline of the Lord. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. That brings me back to the days when I was a kid, and I never enjoyed getting spanked. Amen? Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of Righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Have you been sitting there in that pew saying, God, why are you disciplining me? God, why are you not listening to me? May I suggest to you it's because you're not being obedient. May I suggest to you it's because God has called you to share the gospel with your neighbor. May I remind you that God has called you to share the gospel with everybody in this world. And there are a lot of lost people in this world today. Look at what the Bible says again in Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You've been trained by God chastening. Doesn't that sound weird? You know what the Bible also says? The Bible says, now the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. You ever read that before? When you are getting disciplined, don't lose heart. You ought, to, you ought to be able to stand up and say, Thank you, God, you love me. That's proof of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we don't often discipline strange kids out on the street, do we? Do we? Not anymore. <laughs> Perhaps we need a little bit more of that nowadays. <laughs> Amen. When God chases us, it is because we are not bearing the fruit of life. Church, it's time to start sowing the seeds. Amen? All right. Let's take a look at the last part there. Things that accompany salvation. Look with me, please, in Galatians chapter 5. We have fruits of repentance. We have fruits of righteousness. Now, you know we've got to have fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Things that accompany salvation. Fruit of the Spirit. Look with me in Galatians 5, verses 22. Perhaps you know that I remember learning them in Bible school, and I learned them from a, a, a version that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. I learned it from today's English version. You know, it's a good news Bible. You ever heard that? We were required to learn it from that Bible. We had to do it uh, not out of the Bible as we like. We had to learn it from that version because that's what he wanted us to learn it from. And to this day, when I do the fruit of the Spirit, what comes out is what I had to learn. So, but what you got here is out of the New King James this morning. And what it says here, verse 22, is, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You say, well, Joshua, what, what version did you learn? Would you like to hear it? God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, joyful, and self-control. Not much this week, huh? Let's talk about this one. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 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 When you get Jesus in your heart, the first thing you develop is a love for God. Ask yourself a question right now. Do I love God? Do I love God? You start loving the things about God because you love God. Do you hate coming to church? Amen or omen? Do you hate fellowship with the believers? Do you hate spending time in God's Word? Do you hate being in prayer? Then ask yourself if you are bearing that love. See, we often think of that love as toward other people, and that's true, it's there. But what's also there is love for Father God. You can't help but love He who loved you so much He gave His only begotten Son that you don't believe you have everlasting life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. When you put Jesus in your heart, you get the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you love God this morning? Do you love Him? You might be saying, well, I like Him, but I don't love Him. But you got a problem. you got a problem. You say, well, Josh, I love Him, but I'm not obedient to Him. Ask yourself another question. If you can be disobedient, how much do you really love Him? You know what the second one is? I love going into a house of God that is joyful. Somebody say amen. Robertson Avenue is joyful, and I love it every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, somebody's laughing. Somebody is joyful, and I thank God for that every morning because it's a fruit of the Holy Ghost. Joy. You got some joy in your life, and right now, in the year 2021, there's not a lot to be joyful about. But we got something that our joy can never run out on. We've got eternal hope and security in Jesus Christ. Do you have joy? What about peace? You got peace. I got peace like a river. Peace in my soul. Do you have peace like that? It doesn't matter what's happening in the world today. It doesn't matter who's in charge. We know Father God is on His throne. And one of these days, here soon, He's going to tell His son, Go get my children, and we're going home. Hallelujah. You know what else it says? Long-suffering. You want to translate that in modern-day English? Patience. You ever heard that? Don't pray for patience, Pastor. I'm telling you, pray for patience because that's a fruit of the Spirit. Do you think, though, when you're praying for patience, God's going to snap his fingers and magically endow you with patience? No, no, no. God gives you opportunity to be patient. You don't ask me just get married. Hallelujah. Just have some kids. And God will give you opportunity to be patient. Be a pastor of a church. Teach school. Work with somebody else's kid for just one hour. You'd be like this. Walking away. You know what else the Bible says? Kindness. Kindness. Can you be kind in this world where everybody hates everybody? 
right now there's movements popping up all over our country, all over the world, of groups that hate everybody else. And it's everybody else's fault but that group. You need to be kind, and you can only be kind because you've got the Holy Ghost in you. The Bible says goodness. Goodness. What is goodness? Goodness is staying hopeful in a world that says it's not cool to be hopeful anymore. Can you be hopeful? Or what you watch on television gives you joy. What should be giving you joy is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says faithfulness. You say, wait a minute. I've got to come to God in faith. Is this a gift? Oh, well, yeah, it is. In this church, it's part of faithfulness. Faithfulness here is the gift of when God tells me to do something, I'm faithful to do it. That takes a character transformation that can only happen by the power of Jesus Christ. Faithfulness. Gentleness. One of the first things I see in a Christian when they become new is the the beginning of gentleness. And things would make them angry, and now they start to be gentle. And of course, my favorite one last one is self-control. Self-control. Can you control yourself when you're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off? Can you control yourself when the cashier doesn't give you back the exact correct change? Can you control yourself when Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. I'm not a prophet, y'all, so I'm guessing. Can you control yourself? Can you control yourself? When's the last time you said, I'm self-controlled? You know that's the whole point of what, why overeating is a sin? Because it's a lack of self-control. So I ask you to pray for me as your pastor. If my journey isn't about actually losing weight, it's about saying, God, you're in control. It's about saying, God, I give you my heart. This is the temple of your Holy Spirit, and I want you to be in control. And because you're in control, you can control me. Because I love a good teacher. The Bible says they can't accept there is no God. That's referring to the Old Testament law. If you don't have Jesus, you'll be judged by every one of those 613 people. Every one of them will stand against you on God's judgment. 613 of them. And the Bible says we're guilty of every single one. As a Christian, the moral law comes to you. You know the moral law. You can't lie. You can't steal. You can't commit adultery. Somebody say amen. And being a Christian, you can't do those things. If you can do those things, then you probably aren't as Christian as you think you are. The Bible says in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here's one thing I can't stand. It's when a wonderful spirit-filled preacher gets on television and his head gets bigger than his rear end. And then you watch him just lean to one side and he falls. Thank God I married Becky because she knows how to bust my bubble quick. What is fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit, church, is fruit that comes because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Fruit of the Spirit comes because God's living.
you and try to you. I want to quote to you for John. Chapter 15, we know it quite well in verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remaineth in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You will bear much fruit if you have Jesus inside of you. Look at yourself right now. Where is your fruit? Do you have fruit of repentance? Do you have fruit of righteousness? Do you have fruit of the Spirit? If you don't, you don't have Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Said earlier, there's going to be a lot of people come up to you and say, Look at the leaves I have. I got big, healthy, green, beautiful leaves. You don't care about leaves. You care about fruit. I don't care if that tree is bare of leaves, but if it's got one orange on it, hallelujah. If it's got one pear on it, one pomegranate, one cherry, hallelujah. If it's full of big, beautiful, luscious green leaves and no fruit on it, it's going to try to confuse you with saying, Look at how healthy I am. It's not God do that. The Bible says you have fruit to bear. Last but not least, let's take one more scripture. Look at here, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Love this verse right here. Started out in Hebrews, we'll finish in Hebrews. But we'll go back from beginning verses in just a second. We'll read verse, 13, or verse 15 of chapter 13. The Bible says, Therefore, by Him, by God, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Worship is what's talking about. Now, who do you want? Worship. Now, this week when I was out running, you know what I was praying the whole time? Because I was praying, thank you, God, they don't run in heaven. I had a call. Somebody said, I saw you running, Pastor, and I was afraid to beat the horn because you had your back turned to me, and I was afraid to fall down. I said, thank you, God. Who did I Worship. When I was out there running this week, a thought crossed my mind that I couldn't get rid of. And that thought had to do with something like this. I don't know if I can express it the way God should do it. That thought had to do with a thousand years of those going to the Lord. Now, we've often taken that sometimes out of context, sometimes in the right context. But the thought that came to my mind had to do with worship. When you get to heaven, if you're a Christian, you better evaluate yourself. We're going to do the Lord's Supper here in a minute. You better start thinking about the fruit you're bearing. When you get to heaven, we're going to be doing a lot of worship. When you start singing praises to the King of Kings, when you get to look Him in His face and see His majesty, to see Him who died for you, to see Him who gave His life for you willingly, to see Him who said He's worth my blood, to see Him who said I will save Him, I will redeem Him, I will make Him a brand new creation, a brand new creature in Christ. When you start praising when I start praising God, I can't help but close my eyes. And when it's over, I often look up and try and just smile. You know what's going to be like in heaven when you start praising? You're going to close your eyes and worship. You're going to close your eyes and true worship to the King of Kings. And when you open your eyes, a thousand years are going to be gone. Hallelujah. It's going to be just that quick. Hallelujah, what a day that will be. And I want your day to start this morning. Perhaps you're sitting there in the future, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. 
for I've grown up in a Christian household, but I'm not saved. I want you to go back with me to the very beginning of our verses here in Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to look with me at verse 13. And when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained that promise. And men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is to them that end all his feet. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heir of his promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Here is what makes his oath worthy. Look at verse 18. That by two immutable things, and which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation to have spread for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. It's impossible for God to lie. That's why if you claim you're a prophet of God Almighty, then every message you claim you get better be 100% correct. Somebody say amen. Because it's impossible for God to lie. We can have strong consolation in that. We can have faith in Father God. And we can have trust in His Word. And His Word endures forever. And it should be our objective to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. Look at verse 19. This hope is set as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and within the presence behind the veil. That hope is steadfast and it's Sure. Steadfast and sure. That hope, what hope is that? That Jesus Christ was able to go into the Holy of the Holies, behind the veil, to go to the presence of God the Father, to go to the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah, the Shekinah of glory, sat on the mercy seat, over top the law of God. And he says, Father, he asked me to forgive him. She asked me to forgive him. Cleanse him in my blood. Make him whole. We got that kind of hope. Somebody say amen. We got that hope. And it said fast and it's sure. Even Jesus entered as a forerunner to become a high priest forever according to the heir of Melchizedek. That's what's sitting there in the pew this morning. You say, well, mom's a Christian, dad's a Christian, that's all I need. No, go back and look at what the Bible says here. What does the Bible say about that? Because when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. He might be saying, I'm a child of mom and dad, they're Christians. Man, you need to come to God. It doesn't matter if you're a child of Abraham. It doesn't matter if you're a child of the most Christian person in the world. What matters is, is if you are a born again, blood bought, redeemed child. Perhaps you are a young child this morning, and you've been saved, and you know you're saved, but you are fighting with that obedience. Say, look, I'm not Perhaps it's a commitment to God. Lord, you have my heart. Whatever it may be, we're going to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Perhaps you're sitting there saying, Pastor, I've been looking for a Bible believing, Bible preaching church. Don't look any further. Well, I'll tell you where you need to be. It's time for you to come down the aisle and covenant with that. Come down and say, I will serve Jesus here, and I'll get plugged in and minister and pray. Right here. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian and I have been obedient, but lately I haven't been obedient. I need to repent. I want to have the fruits of repentance. Would you let today be the day? Would you let now be that day? Before we do, Lord, let's pray together. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house here this morning. As we get ready, Lord, to 
partake in the Lord's Supper. I pray, Lord, you speak to all. If there be anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anyone, Father God, needs to get their heart right with you, their walk right with you, or their obedience right with you, to start bearing fruit now. Would you let today be that day? We give you the praise, honor, and glory. Amen. In Jesus' name. Would you come with your sins? Speak to my heart. Would you come? your Bibles with you. Come with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup and he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Just please remove the first seal and take out the bread. 
the shoes of the Lord that which also are delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he was given thanks. He broke it and said, Take heed, this is my body. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your body. And as we partake, Lord, of this bread, I pray, Lord, you help us to remember. Remember what you did for us, Lord. You gave us a body for us, Lord. And as we partake of it, let us never forget, Lord. Help us to come fruitful in all things, Lord. Your name will be great. Thank you, Jesus' name. Same manner also, he took the cup and he was struck, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. Just do you as often as you drink and remember it. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this cup. Thank you, Lord, for what it represents, your blood. And as we partake of it, Lord, let us remember the blood is what makes us whole. The blood is what washes us whiter than snow. The blood, Lord, is what makes us righteous. The blood, Lord, is what gives us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. May we never forget, Lord, the great and almighty price you pay for our salvation. Lord, we are bought with a price. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. It helps us to never forget. And I thank you in Jesus. God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. If you'll read through the Gospels, you'll find that at the conclusion of the Lord's Supper service, the disciples left the upper room singing their hymns. It's been my tradition for 27 years now to conclude every Lord's Supper service I've had with the singing of a hymn. I'm going to ask Brother Robert to come forward and lead us in my traditional song of the Lord's Supper. Let it be our closing prayer. Let it be our closing hymn. Sing with me with all your heart. Jesus loves me. Just sign up. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes.